You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Are you very good? I'm very good. A little disappointed because as we're setting up, I was going to do this whole thing involving a new item I purchased, and that is a desk cycle. Oh, I was hoping something more kinky than that, but okay. A desk cycle. Is that one of those ones you put on your desk and you pedal? It is, but the problem is, is I couldn't get it up to the, my card stand desk I have without my <laughs> knees like <laughs> hitting the desk. And then, yes. and then when I signed on with you, I'm like, hello. And you said, oh, something's wrong with your bike. And that's because I had pushed the desk back. <laughs> I wanted it so bad. Yeah. Unfortunately, I guess that you'll have to choose between exercise your body and exercising your mind. Nice. No, I don't. I just can't do it for the podcast because it's not a props, but I will be using it when I'm watching TV and when I'm doing the lookbooks and hunting online. Nice. Yeah. Good for you. You're really taking this, the self-care for body to a wonderful extent. And the steps. And the The step, all of it. I mean, did you have like 20,000 steps one day? I don't know, but I'm still in it and I'm reaching for more, obviously, because I I purchased this from Amazon. Okay. Anyways, enough about me. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. It is the weekend. So I slept in late. I worked with Judy. She had another project for me to build. So I built that. I was like probably 50 bricks away from finishing before I had to come set up uh, for the podcast. I was almost done. I really wanted to get it done beforehand um, and then be ready to go so we could I could do stuff afterwards and get some post-production done today. So that's my goal after this because what happened last week was that we had amazing content from our listeners and we felt like we're going to keep going for like hours on this with as many examples and many comments back from our listeners that we had. And I had so many more and you had a bunch more. So we had to pump the brakes on last week. So it didn't become a two hour episode. And we were going to revisit that today and go through some more on the second part of this listener love fest that we're having. Yes. So yes, we have so much love coming to us from our listeners, so much delicious feedback that we mm-hmm. couldn't just all keep it to one episode. That would just be silly. <laughs> <laughs> We try to be mindful of our listeners' times. Yeah. I know we talked many times about, you know, listen while you're taking the dogs to the walk or when you're going to work or, you know, anytime you can plug in and listen. Well, right. you know, having a two-hour episode, I think, is even beyond what we want to provide our mm-hmm. peoples. So I figured, yeah, let's just break it up a little bit. That's so kind of us, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We are so kind. So without further chitta chatta, let's dive right in. Mm-hmm. Would you like to start? I would like to start. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go with episode 82, 
which is a bump of the tit, an underdressing story. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of I crack myself up with these titles I do. For the I episodes. know. And everyone <laughs> needs to know how much fun you have when you're putting. <laughs> I mean, this is one of your jobs is being very punny. You're very punny uh, lady. And so you <laughs> just the little life's little blessings. Right. This is yeah. so, and I do appreciate them because it's I'm like glad. I'm a little delayed in my getting a joke <laughs> or whatever. And so looking back on all the responses, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> just a little late. Makes me happy, and I, I want people to be curious about what the episode's about. I don't want to be always right on the nose. So Totally. So, all right. So, from this episode of Bump of the Tit, an underdressing story, uh, our listener, Monica James, wrote, One of my besties called me the queen of the quick change because I almost always have a bra, forms, cute top and skirt, or shorts, or a casual summer dress in my console of my Tahoe so I can change at any time. A lot of times I'll change completely. Sometimes I'll just throw on a bra, pop the forms in, and ride around that doing errands. My wife asked me once why I bother, and in parentheses I said, I will throw a bra on to go to Walmart, which is four miles away, lol. I guess my answer would be that although I live a dual gender and gender fluid existence, I'm definitely all girl and every little chance I can have to express myself in that way, no matter how small or brief a time, is precious to me and I will fully take advantage of those opportunities any chance I get. It doesn't matter to me that I'm not wearing makeup or hair. It just feels right and good to be dressed that way regardless. Do I wish to be fully dressed 24-7? Yes, but that's not realistic for me, so I take what I can get and I'm happy for that. Love that. So yes. Sweet. And know. so it just goes to show that mm-hmm. underdressing the people who say, I've never met a dual gender person are like, I don't know, no cross dressers. Mm-hmm. You know, I can guarantee you probably have gone to a store and passed by somebody who was underdressing and you never would have known. Totally. I wish there was some way to like <laughs> some like secret cross dressers, like, <laughs> handshake or nod or something or a little tap tap. I know in a lot of the, you know, the gay communities, sometimes they, I mean, fine. Gay movies, fine. They have this little <laughs> thing that they do. You know, I wish there was a way for other cross-dressers to be able to connect and be like, how are you doing? Right. There's a secret nod or, right. or, or an article of clothing. You know, back in the day in the 80s, if men had that one earring on the wrong earlobe, that meant that you were gay. You know, so that was like a signal and a sign. So, yeah, it would be kind of nice to have some some symbol sign sigil that only people in the community knew. Right. Uh, so that we could identify each other and be like, you know, give me the, like the, the upward nod. It's a... <laughs> right. A little wink, a little, you know, whatever it is. I, I, I love that idea. And I really like that comment. It's very sweet. And talk about taking life by the tits. Mm-hmm. You know, this person really just carpe diems, you know, ah. seizes the moment of any, seizes the day. Fine. Seizes the day, yeah. Using every opportunity to lean in, if you will, to the feminine experience, even if it's just for a little bit. People talk about their emergency bag. They always have their, let's call it an NFEB bag. So anytime, anywhere, they can just slip on something cute and get in that mode. And I fully appreciate it. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to go the the reverse because not only do so many of us, if we are you know, still in the closet and you know don't have opportunity to dress unless we you know we're away from home or 
you know, we have a go bag, you know, we have that or, or a storage unit that we go visit before our trip to, to grab whatever we can and fam uh, to take with us. And then I know so many stories of people who, who are out in fam and then actually have a drab bag for lack of a better word. I, you know, everybody hates the word drab. Drab bag. That's dra- funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's like a drab you. bag. A grab bag versus a drab bag. Uh, in this that. case, where if you're heading home or an emergency ensues and you know you're not going to be able to make it back to the hotel room to to take off your makeup and take off your wig. And a lot of people have uh, another go bag, a second go bag of stuff to take their stuff off. Anything you need to do to drab it up super quick uh, because mm-hmm. you know something unforeseen has occurred and you need to quickly get back to mail mode. You know, there's so many people who underdress um, because of the limits of their opportunities. I like that very much. Very, very much. So thank you to that listener for responding. And I'm so glad that it made the show. Yes. Okay. So for my pick, I chose episode 38, Vulnerability on the Rocks with a Tranny Chaser. (laughs) (laughs) So So punny. It is. (laughs) And this is an episode that talks a lot about the inappropriate or unwanted advances that many cross-dressers experience when it comes to making connections online with different people or simply showing up as your femme self. You Mm -hmm. are fresh, vulnerable meat for some unwanted advances and conversations. So this was one of the episodes I look back on with, with fondness because it had a giant response. Many people can connect to this issue and many people have something to say about it. So I chose a comment from finding underscore worth. So much to unpack in this episode. You ladies really hit it on the head in terms of what we deal with and the feelings that can be invoked when we receive these types of comments or messages. I think that there is an even higher level of vulnerability for those just starting out in the process of self-discovery. It is very easy to get swept up in the feeling that you're being validated without recognizing the source of that attention as what it really is, predatory. Those of us with some time to experience owe it to our little sisters to look out for them. Keep advocating, keep shooting these chaser types down, and let them know that their actions are not acceptable. You just might be saving someone else from a horrible experience. Good advice. Very good advice. It really is. And I think that you and I have spoken about it just over the years in terms of you feeling a need when you're approached in this manner to kind of educate the person and remind them Mm -hmm. that you are a person and this is unwanted and not appropriate and you will not stand for it basically. Or simply engaging with them and be like, you know, tell me about yourself, you know, wanting the engagement (laughs) to kind of be fair or getting to more appropriate angle where my thought on the subject has always been just to immediately block and delete. I mean, immediately don't waste your precious energy or time with any form of engagement. Now I understand upon the wisdom of the, what, two and a half, three years we have done this podcast that both approaches are protective they're needed, they're necessary. And I think that it just should depend on who you are or what day, what day it is. I mean, how you are feeling. The point is, is no one that makes you feel like an object, no one who makes you feel like you are simply there for their 
kinky pleasure deserves much of your time. So I still very much believe don't give as much energy to them in terms of educating them and to yourself in terms of allowing their disgusting, trolly ways to just kind of infect the beautiful being that you are. Yeah. And well, there's even a third way. We forget that some people like that. Mm, so, yeah, and or that. they crave it or strive for it or want that. If they want that attention, I'm not discounting mm-hmm. them. So if that's their thing, that's their thing. That's fine. For me, you and I have been together and you've taught me more about boundaries and taking self-care of, of me, taking care of me and making sure that I don't expend that energy unnecessarily. I typically take, not depending on the day, But depending on the chaser, let's say, Mm. it depends on how they approach me. If they're just like, hi, some unwarranted message, I will just delete. If it's like, you're beautiful, just delete. Yeah, if it comes out like out of the gates, either just super vague or super overt, Mm. they get no response. But if somebody actually puts effort into reaching out and, and saying something a little deeper or saying something a little more meaningful, I will tend to lean toward the conversation unless that conversation quickly devolves into that was my best pickup line. And now I'm just going to like go for it. Uh, Those will be shut down very quickly thereafter. (laughs) So, you know, I still like to give people a fair shot and not assume that they're objectifying me, not assume that they just are trying to get their, their rocks off with me as the subject matter. Um, and try to get me to say things to them in a certain way to fill their fantasy. So I do try to stride that line a little bit until I know that, oh yeah, this is, is it going down this way? And I'll either be like, you know, don't treat me this way. Don't talk to me. And if they continue and completely just don't even recognize the words you said back to them, and like just go on their own path as if they had never heard the response, then I'll just block them. I'll even say to them, say, listen, I'm going to block you now. Have a great day. <laughs> <They're blocking. laughs> so, You're such a humanitarian. <laughs> I'm so something. lovely. Uh, maybe I'm just a sucker. I don't know. I, I just try to be kind, I guess, in those ways. I know. I know you do. And I love that about you very much. And I think to your other point, if you feel validated by someone who is coming at you in this way, if you feel like this is truly a part of the female experience, which unfortunately for many cis women, it really is. I can imagine this being kind of a, have a surge to it. It kind yeah, of make you yeah. feel validated and sexy and, and all this. I think I would still say to err on the side of caution and don't get too attached So if you have this hot and heavy discussion with someone and you suddenly are swept up in this euphoria where you suddenly get super attached and then the next day you're, you're searching for them online and you're Mm. just get really allow yourself to get so invested in this fantasy that this person is going to fill X, Y, and Z needs. I would just caution you to just protect your heart a little bit and and take it for what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like identify the fact if you can that this is something that makes me feel validated and sexy and I I get off on this and really take each person as it comes and be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Really really guarded and safe. Right. And I'll say even for those uh women I've heard many many stories of trans women who want to get out on a dating scene. And they want to find a man or a woman, 
to have a relationship with. And they actually spend a lot of time being stood up for dates because of people that want that fantasy. But then when it comes to showing up in public to see you, they get cold feet and they bail and they, they, they just wanted that like kinky conversation online and not actually uh, have to be proud of being with somebody in public because it was all closeted, even for them as a chaser, they just wanted to be an admirer, not actually to be a real person. So I agree with you, be cautious. And it is so sad to hear people who's like, oh my God, I got a date tonight and we're going to meet up at such and such restaurant. And they take a picture and they look beautiful and they spend all this time getting ready. And then they go, or they, you know, they get a message last second saying, oh, I'm not going to make it. And it just Mm. hurts my heart that people trying to find real relationships, real tangible, soulful connection with people have so much trouble finding it. And it happens just all the time. Mm-hmm. It just happens all the time. And I think it's part of, quote, the chase, for lack of a better word. But it's also part of, like you said, making solid connections. And I think when you put yourself out there vulnerably in your female presence, in your female essence, there is a vulnerability. There is a chance that this person is going to hurt you. Yeah, And just know that that is part of it. That is part of finding those meaningful connections is you got to kiss a lot of frogs, as they say. <laughs> and you've got to constantly put yourself out there and be hurt. I have a dear friend who had these plans yesterday, you know, was so excited to go in girl mode and, and meet this girlfriend of hers and just go out for dinner. It's a, you know, a really big deal. She doesn't get to do it a lot. And it was a really big treat. And not only was she stood up, but she was actually given some information before she was stood up. And that was basically implying that the only reason why I want to hang out with you and go out with you is because your presence distracts me. So your Mm. presence makes me able to show up and femme because everyone's looking at you. Ah, that's crazy. And that's mean girl shit. And that's hurtful. And that's just one of those things that like we're talking about unwanted unwanted conversations, unwanted connections, like you not asking for this and just Mm -hmm. expecting something totally different. And what I encourage people is to just get back out there, continue to try to make connections, continue to show up and be vulnerable with people and know that every bad experience makes you wiser for the next one. Oh yeah, absolutely. So when you're you have a friend that's like, oh, I'd love to meet for drinks. Let's do this. You then have a a semi-wounded heart or a freshly wounded heart that will be able to have a little bit of protection for yourself on what you just experienced and know whether it be online with the chaser. You know that because you've been burned so much, you then are given this self-esteem and the self-worth to be able to say, you know what, I've really been hurt. Last time I went out with a girlfriend who I thought was a real friendship, this is what they said. And I'm kind of not looking for that. I'm looking for someone who will be a sister and wants to equally be visible like me, or or I'm looking for some kind of sensual conversations because it validates my experience as a woman. And what are you looking for? So, Mm -hmm. So all these kind of experiences create wisdom. Yeah, that's very well said. Yeah, it's, right. yes. Good job. Yes, yes. Well spoken. So, so your turn. Oh, all right. Let me uh, yes. <laughs> let me find what I got. Okay. Well, here was one. This was episode 76 entitled, This is Who I Am. A listener named Michelle says, 
I eventually managed to listen to the full episode, This Is Who I Am, and it is exactly what I say as someone who now identifies as bi-gender. Cross-dressing is what I used to do. A cross-dresser is what I thought I was. But that's not the case. When I express my feminine self, I wear the clothes associated with women, along with makeup, etc. When expressing male, men's clothes. I don't cross-dress, quote-unquote, I just dress. Mm-hmm. So that I love. I know we all use labels. I know we all try to figure out those things that make us recognize ourselves in the most full light. And, you know, Michelle says, I may be doing something culturally like, well, women dress this way. Women use makeup this way. People do things this way to express that stereotypical energy. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, I'm not cross-dressing. I'm just dressing. I'm just being me. And that's at the end of the day, all we should care about is just feeling complete as a person, however we present ourselves. Yeah. And kind of combating against these labels or these boxes. Many people who may be in a similar situation doing the same exact thing identify as X, Y, or Z, where they are simply saying they are a person that dresses in a certain feminine way. And this is who I am. And that's that. And I that's that. that. What? That's that. That's just that. You know, it's like saying, like, listen, um, you know, people shouldn't wear certain things, certain places. And while I still contend that, yes, there is a dress code of sorts, depending on where you go, that doesn't mean you can't be high def amazing. Even like going to Starbucks. Yes, I probably dress like I'm coming from church every time I go to Starbucks in Savannah, always in a dress, always in hose and heels. But what would stop anybody from gothing it up and just living that best life with vampire teeth and white cataract contact? Freaking A, man. I'd be like taking pictures of that all day long because it be, it would look so amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people would be like, oh, you know, look at those crazy weirdos. And me, I'd be like snapping fingers and saying, living best life. to Go for it. Totally. We love all of you. We love me your cats. And the rest of you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... I'm going to be sharing episode 46, The Padded Truth. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. And this listener is Claire underscore M70. I got a chuckle listening to this the other day. One comment I would make is that, yes, all shapewear and padding can make you look feminine, which can definitely make you feel feminine. Sometimes when I dress, I skip all that, though. Most cis women... Don't wear any shapewear or padding except for special occasions. Sometimes just wearing the clothes without any enhancements to make me feel even more feminine than when I have all pads and corsets. By the way, I have tried all the boob enhancements. (laughs) Discussed. Socks, birdseed, water balloons, if you use really big balloons that don't have to stretch much, they don't leak. Mm. I've even tried a more viscous liquid in the balloons to get a more natural bounce. Unfortunately, I used Joy dish soap. The bounce (laughs) was awesome, but no matter what I did, I had that lemony fresh scent wherever I went. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. So, yeah, that way you don't have to wear perfume because you're lemony fresh. Right. Love that. (laughs) That's one thing I've never, that I did not do. I mean, I've done the birdseed, I've done water-filled balloons. I never thought to put something thicker, like a thicker liquid uh, in the same type of balloon to 
get kind of a more silicone gummy feel to it. So that's actually a pretty smart trick. Yeah. And uh, just the comment about not wearing shapewear. I think that it is very freeing. It is probably, and most definitely, I shouldn't say probably, I know the answer. It is definitely more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, It is less sweaty. (laughs) And sometimes the idea of having that fabric directly on your skin rather than having what I used to call a breadstick, which were, you know, spanks that went up to my tits, has a certain, has a different sensation, has a better sensation, a more freeing sensation. So I totally understand what they're saying and hear, hear, you know, because many of us don't want to be a slave to shapewear. Many of us wish we came out of the womb with the curves and the tits and all that that comes with it just automatically, but having a male frame, if you want to feel your feminine self in terms of that specific curvaceous silhouette, using shapewear and padding does the trick in terms of manipulating your frame and creating that aesthetic. Do you need it? No. Do I recommend you have it? No, everyone is different. You know (laughs) what I mean? And everyone has to just do what's right for them. When it comes to specific, and you know, I'm on my soapbox because I do this. I love, I love working with clothes that create certain feminine shapes. For example, if you have a certain body type that worked really well with an A-line skirt, you're not going to need to worry about hip and ass padding unless you want to feel that extra padding. It's not going to do anything for your body that a full skirt isn't going to do. A full skirt creates that volume in the hips and it creates the illusion of having that hourglass figure without needing any sort of additional padding. So yes, there are ways not to have it to still achieve the same feminine frame or shape, if you will, and to each their own. There's so many different types of women. They're not, you know, I I think it's something like 8% actually have that hourglass figure. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the Marilyn Monroe or, you know, many of the people who have these childbearing hips where they had a totally different frame before children, they are self-conscious about it or they wish it was different. So it's just doing what feels right for you and what you need to add to achieve that aesthetic that you really feel female in and what that means for you. Yeah, I agree. And for me, I'm always skirting the line. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, I'm always skirting the line of wanting, because you know, I'm like more bodycon garments. So even with a wrap dress, you can keep it looser so that your belly is not showing as much. But I do like to have that little flare out at the hips. So if it's not an A-line skirt or an A-line dress, I'm definitely using padding in the hips. I will say I have come a long way to not being a complete slave to corsetry or or compression where that's going to leave indentations in my body. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of moved more towards like a shaper mint or a Spanx or something that's a little, a little more forgiving and a little softer and slicker versus being, no, I have to wear this lace-up corset and I have to right. hold on to a, a bedpost while my servant locks it me down to a 24 waist. <laughs> yeah, cracks yeah, a rib. Really. So that I've gone away from that slavery. But I do still want to have curvaceousness. So I do tend to do both things. Wear, wear the pads, wear the waist cinchers, smoothing undergarments. 
And then yeah. wear the clothes, like you're saying, wear the A-lines, wear those things that are going to like give you that double pop. Right. I got and the like, padding and yeah. the A-line and bam. Right. And like you were speaking about a, a wrap dress. I mean, a wrap dress, it cinches you in at that small of your waist. And so when you add the padding, that makes an extra curve as you want in your tushy. Do you need a, a boned corset? No. If you want to add that additional foundation, add a, a Spanx. I mean, there's so yeah. many yummy tummy. I mean, there, there are a plethora of different companies, so many companies that have all different types of shapewear out there. Right, right. And it also speaks to something that this listener said, and that's just the kind of myth or the idea that most women just wear, most cis women just wear shapewear and padding when it comes to special occasions. That was something that I thought was true years ago. And after I've worked with as many women as I have, as many cis women as I had, as I've been in the professional virtual shopping arena for many, many years and have seen so many different shapewear companies just explode when it comes to their merchandise, I can say with full confidence that it's not just for special occasions. Yeah. That even a high-waisted yoga pant with this elastic in the tummy, that just in its design is built in shapewear. Yeah, true. You know, there's a reason why new moms just gravitate to a yoga pant and then they're like, I'm not leaving this because <laughs> they feel like they're wearing shapewear. They feel slender. Yeah. You know, there are special underwear. I have, you know, when I do wear underwear, let's just say payballs, I <laughs> like the high-waisted underwear. These kind of underwear that are kind of like Spanx. They just give me that half an inch of holding that makes me feel better in clothes. It makes me feel like I'm supported. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And like I said, I may be a slave to fashion and design and the quote unquote measurements of a woman. Like I said, with a male physique, you have wider shoulders, broader shoulders. So I do try to balance that out and proportion it out. So I'm still going to do that. And that's just me. Yes. So, so what do you have next for us? So that was the, the last I had in terms of a listener response. Do you have any more? I can definitely throw one out here. Give me one second as I bring it up. So I found one. Actually, I got a couple good ones, but I... <laughs> you know what? Let me do this one only because I want it as proof. Mm. That we truly do listen to our listeners and what they have to say. So this, this we'll be able to talk about real quick. In episode 61, Angst, Addiction, and Acceptance, a friend of mine and the listener of the show, Amanda, said, following up, did listen earlier today, good and interesting thoughts in there, and a lot of content packed into hitting a variety of topics. Thanks for this, Savannah and Julie. The podcast is always interesting and insightful. The one area that came to mind you didn't really address regarding relationships was the power of denial and the don't ask, don't tell mm. response from many wives once they get over the initial shock. Often easier to pretend it doesn't exist, especially if the CD isn't trying to integrate it somehow into the relationship. Certainly has been my experience. So as you were, hmm, and you're reacting to it, you know exactly where I was going with this, which is 
as a result of this listener, Amanda, we did do a don't ask, don't tell episode because it was an important, not omission to that episode, but just was something, you know, that we hadn't thought about And Like once we saw that, and I think I brought it up to you, I said, you know, we should have this conversation. It was its own episode about don't ask, don't tell and what it means and why, why wives and partners do it. So I wanted to highlight that one because of that fact. We hear you. We hear our listeners. And we know we can't touch every nuance of every topic, but we also know that we have opportunities and our listeners give us opportunities. Yes, very, very much. This is a collaborative experience and we are nothing without our listeners. So we appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate when you listen to an episode, if it makes you feel a certain way, if you don't feel like something, like something's missing. I mean, that is material for us. That Mm -hmm. is fuel for our fire. And that is definitely the reason why we are so many episodes in and we're still coming up with content that is relevant and speaks to community. And yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all good. And we appreciate everything. Awesome. Awesome. I have two messages for the same episode. So this is for episode 28, which is luscious, lavish, and lacquered lamination. Ooh, oh, yeah. <laughs> chicka, chicka, bam, bam. So in this one, a loyal listener, Jennifer Smith, said, My wife and I go once a month to get our toes done because we both work retail and are on our feet all day long. I haven't had the courage to get them painted yet, although my 12-year-old daughter keeps saying I should get hot pink. Maybe someday. So that's Aww. number Yeah, so that one I, I really loved. And she is... I know that was a delayed reaction, but I really was hanging <laughs> on your every word. And I thought you were just coming up for air. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, the first, ah. Ah, that was the first one. So let me throw in the second, which is from Keisha, who we know and love. Yeah. And she said... <laughs> Hubs and I have done this a couple of times and it's so fun. I usually get my fingers done while he gets his toes done and we text each other goofy memes and links to shoes and clothes we want to buy. It's so much fun and so soothing and rarely is he the only dude in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. Ah. So it, it, it just goes to show and I just had my pedicure done Friday night. Judy and I went and um, I request the same technician. And so I show up and she's like, oh, you getting color today? Like out loud as she's talking, she's working on somebody else in another chair. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting color. He's like, all right, we'll go sit down. And then she comes over. She's like, 16A, right? She knew my color ah. from a month ago. It just, it was so touching. Oh, it was so touching. And then she was like, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember you asked me to show you something. She's like, oh, wait, what, what were you going to show me? I said, well, you wanted to see my boudoir pics. You said, oh, yeah, show me, show me, show me. So I got to show her a tasteful boudoir pics. And it's just like, again, somebody else that I only interact with on a service level. But she's so lovely. And I'm so open about Savannah with her. I mean, did I need to tell her that the reason I'm getting color is for Savannah? No, it just was an opportunity for me to be wide open. Share. Yeah. And so I think doing those things, again, as I said, with the waxing technician, sometimes it's easier to open up to somebody outside your circles. It's good practice, number one. And number two, I always feel like 
in these professional service environments, they seem to connect with you in a different way, which I love and I enjoy. And I love that she remembered my color. And you've had luck. Yeah. And this is again South Carolina, y'all. Right. So, so I'm not in the heart right. of NYC where this is happening. No, and I don't know if she would remember your color if she was in NYC. I don't think there's a lot of uh, male presenting gents that come on in and have some sort of relationship with some sort of a, you know, the red. I mean, Scott gets a uh, pedicure. He used to get way more, but he will definitely go for a buff okay, or a clear gloss. Clear coat. Yes. And I used so to do that special. as well. I am special. I'm extra. <laughs> You are. Very extra. Can I say one more thing about getting your nails done? Uh, As Keisha said, I think every time I've gone to get a pedicure with Judy, there's always at least one other man in there getting a pedicure done. So in this day and age, it is becoming less stigmatic and more acceptable for men to get their nails done. Even if we're not talking about color but just pampering yourself and then like realizes like, why do I get be so rough and tumble? Why can't I just have somebody put hot stones on my legs and, and just treat me. There's nothing wrong with that for men or women. Nope. <laughs> but of course what Scott did, and I'm like, he's so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't say that to him. No, I don't talk to him. Please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I realized, so the last one, the last response that I pulled, I realized this is the second one in my collection that actually has my name in it. And maybe that's why I was drawn to it subconsciously, but I'm a little embarrassed. I swear I'm not that narcissistic. Okay. I can, I can attest that you're not that narcissistic. Okay. (laughs) So it is number 71. Don't ask, don't tell. And this comment is from Lexi Moon Music, who is a big fan of the show and we appreciate and love very, very much. And I, and I also follow her on Instagram too. <laughs> yes. So she, and you know, she loves us. Yes. So she says, thanks so much for this episode. It's actually been on my mind a lot lately. What Julie said about reframing the words we use to describe the situation almost made me cry. I've been thinking that for at least some of us in this situation, don't ask, don't tell really doesn't apply. If you think back to the origin of the term when gay people would be allowed to serve in the military as long as they didn't tell anyone, that means that it was never a part of the conversation. It actually had to stay a secret. In the case of crossdressers, it's not a secret because you need to bring it up at least once to come to an arrangement. This hits home for me because when my wife first told me that she was fine with me, but didn't want to have to see it, I internalized it as though there was something wrong with it. But after listening to this, it helped me realize that it was much more of the you do you angle. I projected my own insecurities onto her instead of hearing what she was saying which was, I still love you. You need to do what makes you happy. This makes me want to start a campaign to stop using don't ask, don't tell for cross-dressers who just don't dress around their wives. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, And as you know, yeah, I I just thought it was so beautiful and such an important differentiation and something that we all just need to know and be okay with because... 
having that conversation with our significant other can be really, really painful when they say, when they kind of give us permission, but they don't want to have anything to do with it. So that's like, fine. Is it a victorious coming out? Cause they're, they're accepting, but they don't want to see it. That feels really hurtful. And then I'm going to project all the hurt onto it. And I'm so glad that this episode was able to create a different perspective on this. And that was simply that this wife was honoring the female that her husband needs to be accepting it in a way, but setting a loving boundary and saying, I want you to be happy. Of course you can do this. I just can't be there to see it. And so for whatever reason, this episode gave Lexi Moon Music permission to see this not so much as a rejection, but as a loving gift from her, her wife almost. Does that make sense? It, it does. Um, I, I, <laughs> I definitely can see the opposite. I have internalized small victories before and not seen the victory for what it was or the gratitude for what, let's not call it victory the gratitude for the support I was receiving, because you have to understand also so many of us who have lived in shame and lived in hiding and lived in a closet have spent all this time internalizing all the venom we know that's in the world. So when we don't see utter and complete acceptance from what we, our expectation is of acceptance, that we will just, you know, start putting in wedges of discontent within it. You know, it's like, oh, you can dress. I fully endorse and support your need, dot, 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 but I don't want to see it or I can't see it. What do we hear? We just hear the can't. It's like, yeah, there's a small victory in like, oh my God, she'll let me, which seems like permission-based and you know, it's okay. You do you, even though I'm not appreciative or supportive of it. So we we tend to focus on the negatives that we either are carrying around as baggage for years, and it just is another example of that. Or if the fact that the reveal didn't go exactly like harmonious, and she's completely in love with us and want to be with us in every step of the way, you know, it's it is a rejection of sorts for us. It, we have to temper the rejection with the the gratitude. But also, I think it's a deeper conversation to be like, if there is negative connotation in any part of that acceptance, you know, what does it truly mean? Let's not assume we know what our wife is or our partner's thinking. Let's have a conversation of, you know, can we talk more about you not seeing it? What does that mean to you? What does it mean for you? And again, we make so many assumptions so often based on baggage and triggers and trauma that I urge people while I completely understand how we feel being rejected, quote unquote, that like if we have a more tender and open conversation and and non-defensive conversation with our partner about what that other part means for them, I think we'll definitely get down to the root truth of things for each of us. And I think that this isn't a hard stop. This is a loving boundary. And this is something that maybe every six months or every three months can be brought up again and say, you know, Hey, I know you can't see you. You had said that you can't see me full and femme. And I totally respect that. You know, you did say that a while ago. So I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you would be willing to go shopping with me and like help me pick out something. So this is just 
there's always room. It's never necessarily a hard stop. And I think that we all we want is to be seen by our partner, really seen. And it's ironic because what if being seen means that they can't literally see us? Mm-hmm. They just see the person we are and what we need to do to shine our authenticity. But what if we can't look at that part and that's our truth. And for now that is our truth. And that to me deserves as much honoring as the other part. I think that, yes, it can be triggering. I'm sure it could be triggering for you. Yes. It can feel like a giant rejection, but also the point of this whole episode that we're having is the fact that somewhere within our dialogue, there was some respite. There was a little bit of softening and there was a new awareness and a new understanding of, wow, that's what she meant. Mm -hmm. And I can love her through that. And I can accept that about her. Does it mean that it's her truth forever? Does it mean that it, that if we feel like, Almost, I don't want to say that that, that that isn't good enough. It should be brought up again. Sure. I think that these are constant conversations. And I think that that's what living with cross-dressing means to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Living cross-dressing means you are living. I mean, this significant other is living with cross-dressing, whether she's able to look at it or not. Right. She right. acknowledges and she understands that it's happening. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, any example I give would not hold the worth of a cross-dressing individual. So I'm not going to even try, but I do know that there are interests or identities that it is loving to accept that we can't always be there for our significant other. We love that it makes them happy to fill in the blank, but we can't participate, especially when it comes to gender bending or, or transforming one's gender. They love them. They're not leaving them, but they can't hold space for it right now. And even if you hear a line in the podcast and you're saying, oh, that's how I'm going to internalize it now. Or that's what she meant when she said that in that moment. It's just a moment versus another moment of starting fresh. And I know that based on your triggers and traumas and based on my triggers and traumas and experiences, we are both going to come to the table, you and I, come to the microphone with a different level, with the different threshold for understanding. So do you have one more? Well, well, I'm sure I could find one. Because I did do a lot. I did uh, really. You did. You overprepared. <laughs> Let me see what I'd like to end on. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Okay. I'll end on this one. It's getting close to where you are. Uh, episode 57 is shrinking from a fight. And uh, Valerie Bird says, mm. not specifically a response to the pod. But I wanted to say thank you for doing these. It's very informative with four lavender hearts. Mm -hmm. I can't say whether I'll ever be comfortable inserting myself into trans spaces, being that their group has so much more at stake than I do. But at least in my experience, it seems a large number, if not most of them, take at least some offense into my presence. But that's okay, really. 
As to the other situation, I generally just block people like that. It's really not worth much more, in my opinion. Hopefully, I didn't speak out of turn. Again, thank you for everything you do with several more lavender hearts. So in that way, again, it wasn't a direct correlation to the episode, but it kind of hammers home what we've been talking about this whole time. And in our podcast episodes, we're trying to provide education. We're trying to talk about our experiences and our perspectives on this big, big, big world of transness and queerness. And I think it's a nice capper, actually, to thank you for what you do. And we thank our listeners for being listeners. Um, I thank you every day, Julie Rubenstein, for being a part of this. I I want to tell everybody in this audience what I've told you several times off air, whether you believe it or not, which is when I am doing post-production on these episodes, I get lost in the things you say. That you, you, I know I'm embarrassing you, but I think I am embarrassing you, but I think it's okay and is warranted and is deserved, not the embarrassment part, but the truth of it, which is you speak so well. You have such insight. You have such melody to your voice. Listening to you is soothing. It says the things that I need to hear, even as just a co host and not just a cross dresser, um, all those things. And I applaud and appreciate you always. And with every episode, just love you more. You're making me blush. Just a cross dresser. <laughs> Say it isn't so. <laughs> so I appreciate you as well. And I have been known still from time to time to listen to older episodes and just fall asleep to our synergy. And I'm so thankful for everything you said. And you know me, I'm not great about taking compliments, but I will take that to my heart. And I am just beyond thankful for this outlet and for this friendship I found with you. And I'm beyond words. So instead of trying to come up with something to say, um, I am going to end with a testimonial for our podcast. The the person who said it will be anonymous, but I think that it's another great bookend to another really cool episode. When I listen to your podcast, sometimes the topics are light, but I really hear the depth of intellect and discourse between you and Savannah. It was there from the beginning, but it has really developed. Your dialogue is absolutely needed in our national community. You two are absolute heavy hitters and absolute able and capable of carrying this healthy dialogue and acceptance into the mainstream of America. I have never witnessed a more grounded and matter of fact conversations with regard to this very misunderstood and difficult topic. The easy, playful, back and forth humor and quickness really makes it fun to listen to. The skill set you, Julie, and Savannah possess is precious. So on that note. Oh, geez. Well, first of all, I got to say, oh, I mean, that's freaking amazing. So thank you, listener, for giving that testimonial. I just want to say that's, it means everything. I just want to say that it means everything. Um, while Julie and I come together and have a mutual love for each other and a love for this podcast, it is always so heartwarming to hear it's appreciated by the listeners. Mm -hmm. A goal from the beginning is providing a podcast that we knew was desperately needed in the world. 
And the fact that it's been validated mm-hmm. by so many beautiful listeners is the delicious cherry on the cake because we do put a lot of thought, a lot of energy, a lot of soul into each episode. And the fact that it has been carried with such light, love, and appreciation and is beneficial was exactly what we were hoping and looking for, but we didn't hold any expectation because we knew just us coming together was enough. And just us getting on Spotify was, oh my God, (laughs) you know, so like every single milestone and every single life that we have touched has been beyond our expectations. And yet it is no surprise because we really knew that it was something that was needed. And we're just so thankful you chose us and that you found us and that we found you and We hope that people have a wonderful rest of their day. We hope if you can't fully be who you are in the world, that you can at least feel fully who you are for an hour, whenever you want and as much as you are able. So with that said, bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses anchor copyright 2022 yes nailed it if you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us please share with your friends tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening give it a five-star rating or leave a review and for show ideas or comments contact us through the podcast on facebook at fox and phoenix podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.